are the prices increasing at Goodwill? Are resellers hindering others from shopping there? Has the increase in our fast fashion consumption had an impact on Goodwill's inventory? Welcome back to Things It's Thrifted, a podcast about secondhand style, thrifting, and sustainable living. It's hosted by me, Dina, and my best friend, Shannon. Today, we are sitting down with Didi Kalora, VP of Retail Operations at Goodwill Akron, for an in-depth, behind-the-scenes look at Goodwill Akron for these answers and more. So keep listening for a new episode of Thanks It's Thrifted with Dina and Shannon. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Dina. I'm Shannon. We have one of our favorite guests back on the podcast today, Dee Dee Kalora from Goodwill Akron. Welcome back. Thank you. I am happy to be here. So can you tell everybody your role at Goodwill and what you do there? Sure. I am the Vice President of Retail Operations for Goodwill Industries of Akron. I have been here just under seven years, and my role is to help the stores run. It's to help the store managers, you know, run their stores, provide good quality items to our communities, and help keep 500 people employed. That's a lot. I didn't realize 500 people. That's great. Yeah, within the retail stores, we have just under 300. And within the whole agency, it's about 500 people. So and that's our, our, you know, our mission is to help individuals prepare for find and retain employment. That's why we do what we do every day. Is your territory about is that like an average size for kind of this area? Are you guys bigger, smaller? We're smaller. So we're about I think we're about half of Cleveland Canton. I think that they have about 25 stores now, maybe 28. Wow. We might be a third of the Dayton market. They're they're pretty big too. So we are amongst one of the smaller agencies. We have the 14 regular retail stores. We have the two attended donation centers. One's in uh, Akron, one's in Hudson. And then we also have the Blue Boutique and the Outlet. And for those who are local, this is one of the tricky things that people don't always understand that Goodwill Akron actually covers Summit, Medina, Portage, Richland, and Ashland counties, right? Yeah. So we kind of go through a lot of, we go kind of through a couple other agencies or territories that you would think belong to other people. Right, right. So So that's kind of a a good segue that I kind of wanted to preface this episode by saying one thing that I've noticed that a lot of people don't realize, and this is one thing I didn't realize until, until, you know, I started doing this for a career, was that Goodwills operate in kind of territories or regions. So each region or territory has its own pricing, own policies, own programs. So that why that's why if, for example, you're in Northeast Ohio, if you go to a Goodwill in, say, Summit County or Portage County, the pricing and store structure and format is going to be a lot different than the one, say, in Stark County, because you, you're operated by two different organizations or agencies. Absolutely correct. So we have our own CEOs. We have our own board of directors. So yeah, it's it really is two and independent nonprofit. And then we have you know some oversight and some support from Goodwill International. Mm-hmm. It's I kind of 
it, it's almost like a nonprofit franchise, if you will. They give us guidance, and then we really can run our businesses how we see would would best support the community. Yeah. Okay, great. All right, Didi. So last time we talked was long before the pandemic, which was a great time. (laughs) Um, And I just wondered how has the pandemic impacted Goodwill, their operations, their donations, your pricing? Getting through COVID was a very challenging time for everyone. If nothing else, we we absolutely learned how to wash our hands and sanitize (laughs) and clean our stores much better than we had before. So that's definitely one thing that two things that we have done much better than we did in the past. I think that the pandemic brought us a few things. So obviously, costs have gone up from when the pandemic started until now. And and I'm sure that we'll talk about that a little bit more in depth. Operating costs have increased. We saw an immense amount of donations when we started opening the stores back up. Like it was at some points, how do people have this much stuff? We are very thankful for all of that stuff and that treasure. But it also brought a different reseller to the market. So we've always seen a great number of traditional resellers, but we saw a lot more come out of the pandemic. And I think that's because as people were downsized from whatever job they were in um, or things changed and they didn't want to go back to the jobs that they were in, I think reselling is one thing that really picked up. So it brought us a a whole different type of customer. We've seen a lot more younger resellers, college age. Um, I talked to a couple local resellers that literally go Ohio, New York, and they just make the whole rounds. and, And that's what they do for a living at this point. So that definitely has has come out of COVID. We've also had to learn to adjust very quickly to what's going on in the communities. You know, in, in trying to keep up with our amount of treasure. So in 2021, we took in 17,000 tons of treasure. Wow. That's incredible, right? That's an incredible amount of treasure. We had 329,000 donors through the pandemic or coming out of the pandemic. And we had about 856,000 shoppers. So I, it's, it's kind of affected us in, in every way that supports our mission. So one of the things you mentioned was that you've seen a new type of shopper emerge, which is more geared towards like the resellers. Did any other casual type thrifters emerge that you hadn't seen before? Maybe, you know, not necessarily resellers. I think so. Yes. You know, that people are looking to spend less money and realize now that eggs are not a dollar eighty nine a dozen anymore and they need to save a little bit more here and there. I also think people really saw Marie Kondo and what she was doing, and that really encouraged people to downsize. And so individuals that might not have, have tried thrifting before gave it a shot and liked it and figured they could get a, a great value on some items that they need anyway. Since we last talked, there's definitely been a huge increase in popularity when it comes to thrifting. 
thanks to really maybe TikTok, Instagram, and a lot of other factors. COVID, like you said, new shoppers, people saving money, people trying to find new ways to supplement their income. So Goodwill's been getting a lot of attention. (laughs) Well, thrift stores in general have been getting a lot of attention online. And I can say this with full confidence. I've been in this game for almost 14 years talking about thrifting and blogging. And I've been through all of the different platforms. And we're in a new territory that we've never been in before. And of course, that's great. But with that comes challenges. And I think one of the things that I'm noticing right now, if I'm going to put my truth hat on, is that the online discourse when it comes to goodwill hasn't been the greatest compared to what I've seen, say, in 2009 when I started. And so a lot of the conversation lately has been around, you know, pricing, policies, practices, and so on. What is one thing or some things that you wish people knew more about Goodwill Akron? I think that Goodwill in general gets a bad rap. Our CEOs do not make millions of dollars. Nobody's getting rich at Goodwill of Akron. I I know that it's out there that these CEOs are making so much money, and it's just not true. You can look up the salary of a CEO by looking up the organization's 990, correct? 100% correct. So that's public information online. It is, yes. And I'm sure that if there are CEOs that make a quarter of a million dollars, they probably have a very large territory. That's a lot of work. It is no less work just because it's a nonprofit. One of the things that I people would understand about Goodwill in general is our, our mission. So helping individuals prepare for, find, and retain employment. We employ 500 people. We need to keep those 500 people employed and with a wage that can help them to live. We don't pay the most, but we really try to keep it as competitive as possible in our markets. Everything that we take in goes back into the mission. We actually usually run a little bit in the red, and that's why we continue to look at everything we're doing from operations to pricing because we need to... We need to support the mission and we need to pay our employees. The employees who work it through your programs, are they paid minimum wage? Our employees are paid a minimum of $12 an hour. We do give regular merit increases. So we're not working through minimum wage any longer because we can't be competitive that way. Payroll is our number one expense. And You know, I think that part of the misconception is, well, Goodwill, you get everything for free. We do. There's no doubt. And our donors are so, so incredibly kind and generous to us. But we still have to pay to get all of this 17,000 tons of treasure sorted through and, you know, into the funnel where it needs to be sold at. One of the things I learned since partnering with thrift stores is how eye-opening it is behind the scenes. And one of the things that we try to really encourage people on the podcast is to not view thrift stores as like your local dump because 
the better the donation, the more likely it's going to be sold in your store, the more likely it's going to support your local community, whatever that program is, Goodwill or other retail chains. And it's expensive to process other people's trash. And then the question becomes, well, what am I supposed to do with it? I don't know where to take it. And that's a conversation for another day. Maybe that's a part two. But especially now towards the end of the year, we're recording this at the end of the year, beginning of the year, as people start to get their end of year donations out, just be mindful of that because somebody else has to process that item. And if that means it ends up in a landfill, which some stuff has to go to a landfill, it's reached the end of its life cycle, whether that's processing it to be sold on a sales floor or recycling it. So just know that there there are a lot of links in that chain and it's not just, well, out of sight, out of mind. It's Goodwill's problem now. It's Salvation Army's problem now, whoever the store is, whoever the recipient is. We just have to remember there are other people involved. Yeah, and it does happen as far as the trash is concerned. I do think that In general, though, most of our donors have our best interests in mind as well. Since COVID and since our last conversation, really, in 2019, have you noticed a decrease in the quality of donations, primarily impacted by things like fast fashion or anything like that? No, we have not seen a reduction in quality at all. I think, if anything, it's just, it's been the opposite. We are seeing fast fashion. There's no doubt about that. And I think that that fast fashion is going to continue to infiltrate our stores and everything we do. But we also are seeing a lot of great vintage, you know, Dina stuff that I see you shop for all the time on, you know, on your posts and I love that you can showcase those items that I grew up with. I just wish I would have kept my high school and after high school stuff for my girls that want it now. So I think that we see a mix. And even though it starts out as fast fashion, it still has another life with us for maybe somebody that can't get to one of those types of, of stores that sells it. Yeah. And now that you were talking about there's so many more resellers out there, do you believe because there's so many people out there buying to sell that there's not enough left for a local person that wants to come in and buy for their family? No, I I think that there's plenty to go around with the donations that we've been receiving. And donations is always something that we're looking at because it's the heart and soul of what we do. I do not think that there is less for for individuals that need it because of their financial situation. When we come in, we look for the tag that's, you know, marked down. And so maybe it's like the blue tag and then the blue tag's done. And then all those things get pulled. I can't remember. Do they go to outlet after they get pulled? They do. They go to outlet. They they get an opportunity to be sold at the outlet. Right. Mm -hmm. And then after that, they go to make rags or something. I'm trying, I'm trying to remember. That's okay. Yeah. So after, after it comes in through like an attended donation center or one of our stores, it gets processed in the store or at, at one of our stores. Sometimes we have to kind of supplement product to other stores. So it might not be sold in the store that it comes in. You know, the team sorts through it at the store and then they determine, is it going to go online? Is it going to go in their store? 
or if it is not something that can be sold in the store, it goes into the outlet. And then after the outlet, it goes into the salvage stream. And then people buy that to do whatever it is that they want to do with it at that point in time. It could make, it could be rags. It could be made into dog bedding. It could be made into a whole bunch of different things. It sounded like when you were given the stats for um, this past year that it was a lot more people in the stores than years previous. With that, do you believe that there are less salvageable items in the end because of all the extra people coming in? I don't because I think that the donations have kept up um, with with the shoppers, the supply, you know, the supply is there for the demand. Okay. So what I'm hearing is there's plenty to go around. There is. And, <laughs> you know, we do, we do our very best to keep the product flowing through the stores in a timely manner so that we don't get too backed up in the back room, but then we're not overwhelming the customers on the sales floor. So it really is just a uh, it's a process that we go through on a daily basis to make sure that supply gets out to the sales floor for the demand. Yeah. What percentage would you say you pull for things like your boutique and shopgoodwill.com and your eBay store? So I so if you think about 17,000 tons of treasure in right in one year, I don't it's so insignificant. Yeah. I don't think that I could put it into, like I tried to work out a percentage, but I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't Mm -hmm. math it today. (laughs) Um, So let me tell you the requirements. So if we're talking 17,000 tons of treasure, that's 14 stores and two attended donation centers. So that's, that's 16 locations we're getting donations at. Let's just pretend it's a little over a thousand tons of treasure a piece, right? So then each store is only required to send in one cloth cart of product to shop Goodwill a week. Wow. A cloth cart is um, like a, a laundry cart. Mm-hmm. And it may be, uh, depending on the size, it could hold 10 items. It could hold 60 items. One per week. That's all we ask them to send in. Now, that doesn't mean they don't send in more than one cloth cart a week. But if you think about that in comparison to 17,000 tons, it's very insignificant. That's all that we're asking them to send in. That's actually really good to know. I I never knew that. That kind of puts things into perspective because if you've ever seen the back room of a donation center or even just swung by and made a donation, one cart compared to all of the things coming in in just one back room is pretty small it is it is it it is a very small amount and i know that you know the the misconception is that all the good stuff goes online well we quite quite frankly we have the space to put all the good things online they have to go out into the stores too Mm -hmm. so it's just it really is a small percentage you know there are a couple of things that we absolutely hear in in our agency send to shop goodwill Jewelry is one of them. I made that decision because when someone donates something that they know has significant value like jewelry, they want us to be good stewards of their donation. And 
I think that letting the online shopper determine the price of it is the fairest way for us to do it. And I say that because we are not jewelry experts in the store. We don't know how much to price something for. I wouldn't want our donors to think that we're bad stewards of their donation and and don't get the best value for their donation to help the mission. Well, let's get into the topic everybody wants to talk about and everybody uh, wants to know about. Let's talk about pricing. And we actually talked about this with you uh, a couple years ago. I think now is a good time to kind of follow up. Let's talk about pricing in every aspect. How does your location price your items? Do you research market value? Why are the prices going up? But I will say, we are very lucky in our area that Goodwill Akron stores has the flat rate pricing. Everybody's shocked when I tell them this. And so flat rate pricing means that all blazers, with the exception of like a few things, all blazers are the same price. All jeans are the same price. All shoes are the same price. And it's amazing because you know what to expect when you're shopping. You can budget for it. You know, you can plan for it. And it's just a good deal. And so I feel like we're one of the very few locations that are like this. So I'm crossing my fingers that you guys don't change that anytime soon. I just wanted to put that out there that that's how Akron prices their their merchandise. But you know, we we have seen Akron's prices go up. I mean, Shannon and I are longtime thrifters. It's no surprise that it's not it's not what it used to be. But I will say it is one of the more affordable ones in the region. If I'm being honest, it's definitely significantly cheaper than other thrift store chains. So kind of bring us into the world of Goodwill pricing. So I, I think that, I mean, everybody knows that the cost of everything is increasing for every business. That includes Goodwill. Our supply costs have gone up quite a bit and it it costs us supplies. We have to pay for supplies like everybody else. You know, as we renegotiate rent, that continues to go, you know, that continues to go up as well. So we have operating costs just the same as a a for-profit business. And then we also have our, our biggest expense, like I said before, is our employees. And we want to make sure that we can pay a fair wage so that we can continue to retain great employees and and encourage new new people to come on with us as well. As far as pricing is concerned, we do not plan on moving away from set pricing. I I think that that is just in my opinion, it's the easiest way for our team members to process and, and get product out quickly. And we also have a guide. I know that a lot of people probably don't know this, but we have a a guide for our housewares as well. It's not as easy to have set pricing on housewares, but we do have a guide that we follow. Sometimes we get it wrong because we are part of our mission is to have people come in and and do training. So we get it wrong. So we're trying to keep costs as low as they can, but we have to continue to um, look at them because of the the increase in, in our operations. We do look at the markets around us in all of our counties. So we look at other thrift. We do look at Walmart and Target. You know, what is Walmart selling a pair of jeans for? And we look at other Goodwills in our area as well. 
So we take all of that into consideration because I don't want to price us out of the market and I don't want to make it be unaffordable for the individuals that really rely on us to, you know, help them clothe their families. So I have a quick question about that. And obviously, I don't expect you to speak on behalf of other Goodwills. You made a really good point. You don't want to price yourself out of the market, but a lot of Goodwills are. And I don't know if you can offer any insight on that. Like, What's the mindset, the reason, the motivation behind that? If you I feel comfortable answering I, that. Yeah, I, I guess I can't really speak for them because I, I'm not in their operations every day. It is a different way of doing business. Um, I, I, I would not want to speak on someone because in the end, the mission is the same. You know, in the end, their their mission is to keep people employed, to help people learn job skills. So I couldn't I couldn't really speak on the motivation of that. I mean, that's a fair answer. You know, I just I, I just wonder and I know that a lot of our listeners are, are wondering it's like they are pricing themselves out of the market because they are going to buy these things new. Yeah. At places that you've mentioned, like Target or Walmart. Right. when it's more expensive at their local Goodwill. So, yeah. Sometimes it's only like a dollar or two dollars difference. Yeah. And then it's one of those things where you're like, well, if it's vintage, you're not going to find it. But if right. it's something that's, you know, a black t-shirt, and I need a black t-shirt, and it's only two dollars different, I'm going to go buy a new one. Yeah. I guess it's just, I think, important for thrift stores to be mindful of that, you know, and I appreciate you yeah. saying that because and kind of bringing us into your world and how you kind of make those decisions and those conclusions. But I, you know, I, I'd be lying if I said that a lot of even thrift stores in our area are not really doing the same. I would encourage your listeners to keep giving the feedback to the, the thrift stores that they're going into. And I, there is no doubt that we have to look at our at our prices and we we have to look at them yearly because the cost of, of wages, you know, specifically continues to rise. Um, but I would I would I would encourage them to talk to the people in the stores and give the feedback. Yeah. And what I will say to that as well is. Feedback is helpful and important, but don't yell at the employees and the cashiers. It's not their fault. And I've seen a lot of people do this live in front of me, and it's terrible. Uh, If you have a complaint about pricing, the best way to do it is to contact corporate, correct? Um, And be, be specific with your feedback as well. When I, you know, if and when I get a complaint for pricing, and I'm going to knock on wood because I haven't had one in a long time, (laughs) um, I I ask for specifics because I want to know, is it a specific store problem that somebody is maybe um, finding or trying to get more value out of something than it's really worth? Uh, is it a specific team member problem that we need to do some retraining on? So I would say be specific as possible with your feedback to, you know, to the, the thrift store if, if yeah. you're going to call them. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, you know, there's a lot of chatter online. 
which I think is important because it helps raise awareness. But if you really are upset or frustrated or have a concern, I think the best and most effective way is to reach out to your cor- the corporate thrift store. And it's not hard to find this information online. And in some cases, like Goodwill Akron, you guys are gracious enough to respond. And some stores might not, but at least you got it to the right person and you're not harassing the cashiers or the store managers because it's not really their call at the end of the day. A follow-up question to something we were talking about before, and it's a little controversial, resellers. So are they driving the cost up? And is there an issue of scarcity because of the rise in popularity in thrifting and reselling, do you think? I guess I don't understand the logic behind not wanting resellers. Resellers are keeping us moving forward and supporting our mission significantly. I do not think that there is a scarcity of product because of resellers. Some resellers are looking for very specific things. They get their niche items. A lot of times it's stuff that other people don't want too. And they, they take it and they resell it or they make it into something else and, and resell it that way. I don't think that resellers are hindering anyone else from purchasing at all. I specifically do not price anything based on resellers. It just doesn't make sense to me. Your money as a reseller spends just as well as anybody else's money and all that money is is to support our mission and to keep our, our team members employed and to keep our, our, our stores functioning so that we can do job training in the stores, that we can have programming in the stores from the local schools, from the, um, you know, from the other local agencies that are helping people to build job skills. So, no, I just know I've never understood that. And I know as I'm trying to meet people when I'm in different stores, you can tell who the resellers are. I always try and talk to them and they're a little afraid to talk to me. But I want to know what resellers want because I want to make sure we put that out on the sales floor. There is no point in not doing that. If it if it sells, it sells and it, that supports the mission. So I love resellers. <laughs> right. I think a big thing that that people complain about a lot like online and things is oh well I, I as a as somebody that doesn't resell I want to walk into Goodwill and find trendy items for Goodwill prices. I don't want to go on another place, another platform and have to look for it and have to pay, you know, triple times the amount that I could have gotten at Goodwill. And all these resellers are here and they're taking everything and there's nothing left for me. And, and I just wonder, like, do you find that, like, they're, all the trendy things are being taken away? You know, like, resellers are coming in and just wiping your, your shelves clean. No. I just, I, I think that based on the way we run our operations here, we're, we're constantly putting product out to the sales floor, you know, as best we can. And I think that that makes it fair for everyone to, to be able to purchase I think that our resellers are more concentrated to our outlet than they are to mm-hmm. our stores just because it comes out in bulk and there's something about a reseller going through a, a, a blue table that is just so exciting to them. And 
I, I just don't, I mean, I just don't understand the concept of, of not wanting resellers or um, thinking that they're affecting the, our, our business negatively because it just, it's just not the truth in my opinion. What about, well, before I ask this question, I wanted to make a comment about something you said that people are shopping for different things. And the beautiful thing about thrift stores is the variety, right? I mean, you can yep. literally find everything. Yep. And one example I always like to share is an experience I had at the bins where they rolled out this bin of incredible pieces. It was all anthropology, new with tags, the most incredible haul I've ever seen in a bin. And there was this young girl next to me. We're digging through the bins together. She would pick up these anthropology pieces, look at them, put them back down, and she would pick up these vintage t-shirts and put them in her cart. We were sh- we were standing side by side shopping for two completely different things. My mind was blown and my heart was racing fast when I found all this brand new anthropology, new with tags, and she's like, I don't care about this. She literally would pick it up, look at it, and I'm like, please put it down, please put it down. She would put it down and I would grab it and I'm looking at these worn out t-shirts that I have no interest in and she put all that stuff in her cart and I always go back to that because yeah, like there are a lot of people who like nice trendy brand name stuff, but I think we're making a huge generalization and assuming that we're all shopping for the same thing. I mean, look at me and Shannon. We walk into a Goodwill, our carts look completely different. We're shopping for two completely different styles, two completely different interests and brands. And uh, yeah, thrifting is more popular now. And there tends to be maybe more categories that are more popular than others. But I think it's a very big generalization to assume that we're all shopping for the same things at the same price points for the same reasons. I 100% agree. Um, I We have individuals that come into the stores, like you said, vintage t-shirts. Um, I know of one in particular. He, he buys vintage t-shirts and he makes them into his own artwork and resells them for that reason. Yeah. And they're really, really cool when he's done with them. Um, My daughter has a a small side hustle where she prints on T-shirts and and makes mugs and that kind of thing. She wants flannels and she doesn't care what condition they're in because she wants to bleach them and put some holes in them and then put, you know, a cute little a cute little saying on them. And then she wants to sell that. So it's not. It's not a a one-size-fits-all. And I think that, like you said, that's the beauty of what we do. There is so much to go around. There's just so much to go around. I don't think that that it really is an issue as much as people think it is. No one person can buy everything in a store. It just is impossible. They might have a great eye and and see quite a few things that other people wouldn't. but, but they also have to have that, that knowledge of what it is that they're looking for and be able to recognize those items. Yeah. One thing we talked about when we first chatted a few years ago was this idea of people feeling uncomfortable with those who, quote, don't need to thrift shopping at thrift stores and places like Goodwill. And... 
that's always such a controversial topic. So I, I wondered what you thought about that. When Wait, when I hear that, I think, can you imagine if people that didn't need to thrift didn't go to the thrift store? Goodwill would be from top to bottom with with stuff. Like, yeah. it, there'd be yeah. way too much there. Goodwill was created. Your retail stores were created for those in need. Is that accurate? Well, if it was, it was created to help put people to work. So initially, if you think back years and years and years and years ago, you know, the initial idea was to take quality items, mend them, fix them, and resell them. The intent was to make sure individuals had jobs. So that's, I'll start with that. You know, as, as far as taking away from people that really need it, there is so much in our stores. I just don't feel that that's the case. If I'm, you know, I've, I've thrifted in one way or another my whole life, whether it's at yard sales or at Goodwill or Salvation Army, I've, I've never felt like there was a lack of product per se or that, you know, when I was struggling financially that someone that has more money could come in and buy and, and not leave anything for me. I just don't feel like that's the case. I see both arguments. I see argument number one. There's a scarcity argument that there's not enough stuff. All the good stuff is being taken away by casual thrifters, influencers, resellers. And then the other part of that argument is not only is there a scarcity issue, there's not enough good stuff to go around anymore. Everything is too expensive. So, yes, then this person off the street who needs a hoodie can't afford this new hoodie price because everything is too expensive because of reasons X, Y, and Z. So I can only speak for Akron with our pricing. Our pricing is not based on the the specific items that we're selling and who we're selling them to. So if you go into one of, one of our retail stores, you might find an end cap of up-priced items, meaning it's not going to fall within that normal set pricing. I encourage the stores to keep that at a, a bare minimum because we have other avenues sell those items, um, but we don't base our pricing on a, on a group of people. You know, we don't base it on resellers. When we have price increases, it's, it's because our operational costs continue to rise. It just is, it's inevitable, unfortunately. We have to be able to make sure that we can run our business so that we can fulfill our mission. And I hope that answers the question. I really don't feel that there is not enough to go around. I see such a variety of stuff every day. And again, something that individual resellers are into, the non-resellers, it, it might not even be a desire for them. So they wouldn't know anyway, if that makes sense. I don't ever want to discourage resellers from coming into our stores and in, you know, in Akron Goodwill, we're never going to base our pricing on something because it's popular to a reseller. That's so, just not how we do our business. We try to keep it as fair as we can for everyone. So what I'm hearing is 
when milk and bread and eggs rise, you need to pay your workers more so they can afford groceries. And in doing that, a hoodie needs to be a little bit more money. Yes. Uh, That's the, that's the long and short of it. Yes. I I want to make sure that my, my team members don't have to decide if they're going to pay the electric bill or they're going to feed their family. Mm -hmm. I'm, that's very important to me based on, you know, how I grew up. And again, we don't pay the most, but we're really trying to keep up with the, the, the rising wages in the areas. And let me ask you one goofy question, but how much is a hoodie? See, now you're going to put me on the spot. Dina. Dina knows. It's like five something, yeah. Five, <laughs> five what? 549. 549. So then say it's half price because it's got a blue ticket today. So then it'd yeah. be what? 225? Two, two, two yeah. 225? So $2.25 $2. for a hoodie if it has a special tag. I feel yeah. like that's reasonable. And one I more agree. point that I do want to make for for the Akron Goodwill for your for your listeners, we do have the Elizabeth Clark Fund. If someone can't afford something, all they have to do is is talk to a cashier about that fund. It is something that they can apply for online. It's very simple. We ask a few questions. Um, it's for people in crisis, for people in need. We we use it. Um, we use it for individuals that just need, you know, kind of a, a helping hand to get through the, the tough time that they're in. So anybody can apply for that. They're eligible one time per year. And based on the situation uh, is is how we um, disperse those funds. And that comes from rounding up in the stores. It comes from rounding up when, you know, the cashier says, would you like to round up your change? Yeah. And and basically that is available to anybody that needs it. Wow. And we, we do, we absolutely do let our employees use that fund when they are in need as well. Oh, so wow. it's the same, it, it's the same type of a situation. You have to apply. You're only eligible one time per year, but we do have that available. Can we talk a little bit about, about your programs and the individuals who go through your programs and you know, how they're treated and all of that. Yeah, the individuals that come through our programs come in from a, maybe a school program, high school high school students that need to learn first-time job skills. Um, we have individuals that come in from other agencies. And um, our goal is that they are our team member for the time that they're here. So they work side-by-side side with us, and we try to give them a, a good experience at Goodwill and so that they learn work skills so that they can maybe stay with us or maybe move on to another position somewhere else. Um, you know, maybe something that's specific to they wanted, what they want to do, if it's in the food industry, um, if it's in the IT world. I know of an individual right now that just graduated with his, I believe, associate's degree, and he did an internship with us last year. He's still working at one of our locations until he finds a position um, in in the area that he wants to be in. So we really try to treat everybody like they're part of our team. I just want to shout out who I believe is the manager at the Twinsburg store. Okay. Such a nice guy. That is our key holder. Oh, okay. He is newer to us, but yeah, he's doing a great job. He's fun to be around. 
He is so nice, Dee Dee. I mean, yes. my just such a such a nice guy, and <laughs> makes my shopping experience so pleasant. Good, That's yeah. Funny. Patrick. Oh, okay. I say I wanted to say Peter, but I knew that wasn't right. It's Patrick. Patrick, thank you for always being so kind. I know you're not listening, but shout out to That's Patrick. Nice. Really, everybody at the Twinsburg store is so kind. Good. They're That's such awesome. a great team. Thank you. I'm glad to hear I just, that. I just I. I wanted to mention that I know um, about your programs through, I worked at Community Services for the Deaf, and I interpreted. So I'd come in and I interpret for deaf workers that you had. And I know that you guys training or accepting deaf workers there. I know sometimes we'd work for a deaf and blind person. They're getting opportunities that they wouldn't typically get because... Um, that's a whole other story. Mm-hmm. But I just love that that's available and that you help, you know, work with them, teach them skills. And then sometimes they don't stay at Goodwill, but they go somewhere else because of the skills that they learn there. And I just, it's wonderful that, that it exists. Where before people with disabilities, a lot of times they can't find a job or they they can't find people that are willing and open-minded or help teach how to work with these with the with the different disabilities it's just nice that that exists and that's part of akron and that people that would prefer not to sit at home and collect their check or whatever and would like to have a job have an opportunity to do that where you know years passed uh before guys had this i don't think that they had as many opportunities and it's it's nice to have well thank you and you're welcome (laughs) <laughs> we really do our very best to to try and you know have a, a great diverse staff and if that means we do a job carve where it fits that individual's need then that's what we do that's all our mission that's what we're here for and and why we continue to do what we do Didi, it's always so good to chat with you and we really appreciate you taking a big chunk of your morning to to kind of catch up and fill us in and debunk any myths and share some facts. So it's always so great to talk to you. And you as well. Thank you. And thanks for continuing to support Goodwill. And I will answer any questions that you have. Awesome. And thank you for sharing your new nesting dolls with us. They're adorable. (laughs) Thank you. My guilty pleasure. (laughs) All right, Dee Dee, take care. Thanks again. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. For episode show notes, go to dinasdays.com slash podcast. To learn more about Goodwill Akron, head to goodwillakron.org. And let us know what your biggest takeaway was from today's episode. You can find us on Instagram at thanksitsthrifted.pod and on Facebook at Dina's Days. We'll see you next time.